Hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Iowa Type Theory Commute. We are in Chapter 2, which is about functional programming. And um, uh, functional programming is uh, just a wonderful way to program. I say this as a longtime programmer. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the reasons why it's a great way to program. And we're sort of, um, we're going to, we're, you know, talking in Chapter 2 about functional programming with an eye to heading towards type theory, um, which is, this is, after all, the Iowa type theory commute. We started out in Chapter 1 talking about um, computer check proofs and formal methods. And type theory is a form of, of uh, this technology, and it's got a close link to functional programming. And there's a lot of interesting interplay between these, and so I thought I would talk about functional programming before moving on to talk about type theory itself. And so, anyway, um, one of the things I love about functional programming, and I think probably most functional programmers would say very much the same thing, is that um, functional programs tend to be more concise than programs written in mainstream languages like Java. If you've written a lot of Java, um, or C++, and I wrote my share in both those languages um, some, well, goodness, some decades ago now, dear me. Uh, it is just an amazing breath of fresh air to write in a functional programming language, and I would like to tell you a little bit about why that is. And so this will be, I'll try to make this comments, you know, not totally exclusive of people who don't, have, aren't programmers, but probably programmers will be the ones who appreciate this sort of thing more. Um, so the first thing is that many functional programming languages put um, have technologies or have cultures that emphasize writing short pieces of code. Um, and, you know, there is, it's really, you know, there's, there's two parts of this. There's some technology that makes the code, that makes it possible to write code without quite so much boilerplate um, annotations and information that you find in something like Java. Um, there's technologies to do this, but there's also a mindset. And I've seen this particularly in Haskell. In Haskell, if you can avoid writing a character extra, you know, the Haskell programmers and library developers are going to try to help make that, help save you that character. I mean, really a premium is placed on writing um, the most concise code that you can. And, um, and there's some interesting trade-offs there that I'd like to talk a little bit about. But, um, but to sort of give a hint for this, uh, you know, so first of all, in Java, and I haven't kept up with Java, um, uh, but, you know, so it's possible that some of this has improved, but um, it's pretty typical in a language like Java. So Java is statically typed. That means at a compile time, when we're processing our program text, we're going to type check it, and we're going to find, type checking is going to turn up certain kinds of errors or, or um, you know, problems before we actually try to run our code. Uh, that's static typing. And functional programming languages, I would probably, I think it's fair to say most of them use static typing, but there are some notable languages that use dynamic typing, which means um, the language is going to prevent bad things from happening. Um, you know, in C, you can do just unrestricted mayhem is generally possible. Um, you can just allocate, you know, ar access arbitrary parts of memory um, with no regard for um, any invariants or properties that are supposed to hold for the values in those parts of memory. And in, in um, statically typed and dynamically typed languages, those kind of the sort of crazy, undisciplined style of programming, 
or, or potential, let's say. Of course, you can be a very disciplined C or C++ programmer and try to avoid these kind of things. But the language isn't really helping you that much. You mostly have to be care very careful yourself. Um, but in uh, type languages, dynamically exactly type languages, the, the language is going to prevent certain kinds of nasty things from happening. And in dynamic languages, and a, and a good example of a dynamically typed functional language is Racket. It's a language called Racket. You can find it online and play with it. It's a fun language to, to, to play with and to learn a little bit about functional programming. Um, uh, for one reason, they have a nice integration in their um, interface with uh, with graphics libraries and stuff, so you can write functional programs that do things that you can see visually. It's kind of nice. Um, anyhow, uh, they it, that in a dynamically typed language like Racket, the Racket the language is going to check as the program is running. It's going to sort of babysit the program and make sure it doesn't do anything naughty. Um, in statically typed languages, we check up front before we even try to run the program that certain kinds of naughty things aren't possible and won't, won't happen from your program's execution. So, um, anyway, uh, Java is also a statically typed language, and there are some, you could say, dynamic typing aspects to it as well. Um, downcast and things like this. Uh, but um, in Java, you at least, again, I maybe things have improved in whatever version of Java we're on right now, but certainly, uh, in, you know, at least not too long ago, you had to write quite a few type annotations. You had to say, okay, this is a function that takes in an integer, and it also takes in a list of booleans, and it's going to do blah de blah de blah um, And so these typing annotations are, in one sense, I mean, I, I, you could, uh, they're, they're actually quite useful documentation in a lot of ways, but it's irritating to have to write them all down yourself. And in um, statically typed functional languages like Haskell and OCaml, to name two prominent ones. Um, there are type inference algorithms that figure out all those type annotations for you. They're there. I mean, they're, the compiler is aware of them, but you don't have to write them down because it has algorithms that figure out what they have to be. Um, and that means there's a whole big bunch of code that just you just don't have to write down at all. All the type annotations that you're used to putting on your Java local variables or inputs to functions, you don't have to write them at all. In fact, for um, sort of the, the core fragments of Haskell and OCaml, not counting funky extensions and other stuff that's going on, um, you don't have to write any types whatsoever. It's guaranteed that the compiler can always infer them. Um, now, there's more to be said about this, uh, about the, the sort of pros and cons of static versus dynamic typing. Goodness, there's quite a conversation one could have about that, which isn't really one that I'm super excited about having right now, but this, this could be discussed. Um, but anyway, so type inference algorithms to try to infer the types of variables or inputs of functions or fields of records or whatever it is, um, these kind of algorithms uh, save the programmer from having to write stuff. And I mean, who knows? I don't. Probably you can find some software engineering studies that will try to, as, to estimate for you or give you some rough number of what percentage of your code you would not have to write if you had algorithms that would fill in this stuff for you. I'm not actually aware of any studies like that, but that would be kind of nice to be able to say, oh, it's 15% or something. I mean, I would guess it's sort of a number on that order. I mean, you still, it's not like it, it doesn't save you like enormous amounts, but every little bit counts. And that, that's definitely part of this mindset. Like the Haskell mindset that I've seen, um, not being a super Haskell insider or anything, um, 
more just like a Haskell novice, uh, is the mindset is, you know, try to avoid unnecessary nonsense when, and whenever possible and claw back every little bit of fluff that's not really needed in your program that you can. And so 10, 15%, if that's what the number is, fantastic. We'll take that. Um, so, um, so writing, uh, concise programs, as I said, is important, um, part of sort of functional programming culture. And I have a little more I'd like to tell you about that, but I have, um, happily reached my destination after a short drive. And so I'll have to pick that up a little bit later. Thank you again for listening. And you know, if you are listening, hit me up with email. If you have any questions or anything or stuff you want me to comment on or your opinions, um, I'd be happy to share those anonymously or non-anonymously as you wish. I did also create some kind of little discussion forum on the webpage for the podcast. Um, so far, nobody has felt the need or bravery to post anything there, but you could use that too if you want to kind of interact with me a little bit. Um, otherwise, uh, happy listening and talk to you again soon.